You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello, welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll go around the league with Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports and discuss the impact of NFL players protesting during the playing of the national anthem. Brian, let's kick off the podcast by going around the league with Super Bowl champion Ellis Wims. It can be challenging to navigate the NFL landscape filled with unknowns. You know that I know that I know that you know that I know that I know that you know. Intense focus is required to tune out all the noise surrounding the league. Wicka, 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 wicka. And the drummer says, uh. So we turn to Super Bowl champion Ellis Wims for nimble analysis, breaking things down on a whim. How about your boy? Ellis, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with something serious, but you can handle it. You know there's been a lot of tough talk between the league and the Players Association. Let's move beyond the details of the Ezekiel Elliott case. If the union has such a problem with the discipline process, why didn't they fight harder during the last CBA to make changes? I think they had a – DeMar Smith was just really inexperienced in dealing with those issues and I don't think he was really all the way familiar with a lot of the issues that players uh, you know, have complained about over the years. And, I mean, really in that deal, he gave all of the power in these issues to Roger Goodell, um, and they just, they just hired the wrong guy, I think. At that point, they needed somebody that, was, that understood NFL players and their issues a little bit better so they can go in and actually ask for things that they really wanted because I'm not sure it seems like in that deal they they didn't get a lot of the things that they, that the players were complaining about. So um, it's just I think they hired the wrong guy. When you look at this case with Ezekiel Elliott, um, do you see it be one? Let's just put it to you this way. The NBA has a union that basically favors the players. I mean, 110%. Okay. And the National Football League has one that's just truly the opposite. When you see they have these these rulings where there's really no way out, regardless of how much information is out there of, of what Ezekiel Elliott may not have done and what may have caused him to do some of the things uh, that he's done, it almost seems as if there's no way out because the league has total control on how they handle players when it comes to uh, the personal conduct policy. How do you go about, you think, Ellis, how do you think you go about trying to change that to where there can be an even playing field on – you know, there being an equal opportunity or at least an opportunity that is fair to where it's just not a six-game suspension being thrown out there without actually hearing literally both sides of the story. Well, I think the first thing they got to do is sit down and put a system in place. But I think right now you don't know how long you're going to get suspended for what, you, what you're going to get suspended for. Like, it's just left up to the whims of the commissioner and how he's feeling about that situation at the time or who you are as a player or how much notoriety you have as a player or what point they're trying to prove to the fans or what point they're trying to prove to the media. There's no solid system in place that says, if I do this, if I get arrested for this, then I get this. And I don't like that it's being left up to one guy and how he feels about each situation. Because if your relationship with the commissioner is good, then you may get a lenient 
penalty if you get into a situation. If your relationship not is not good or you've said something uh, in the past uh, that may not put the commissioner in a good light, then he may want to uh, you know, put something a little, uh, put a, a heavier uh, fine or, or penalty on whatever, whatever, uh, whatever he does to, to punish you for whatever you did. It's left up to how he feels as opposed to a system that says, okay, I know if I do this, I'll get this. Now you just kind of, you just gotta kind of walk on eggshells and just hope nothing ever happens because if commissioner feels like you did something wrong, no matter if you didn't, then you can still be punished for it, and that's not fair. At the same time, and here's my commentary: if you don't put your hand on a woman, you don't have an issue. If we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott or anybody else, we're taking you around the league with Ellis Wims, Super Bowl champion, great friend of the program. Ellis, nobody thought that Blake Bortles was going to the Hall of Fame, but a couple of years ago he was serviceable, 35 touchdowns. Based on what's happened recently and that shaky game last night, is it time for the Jags to move on? Uh, I don't know if it's time to move on. I mean, he's obviously got some talent. Uh, I mean, he looks like the uh, uh, NFL quarterback. He has the side. He has the, the athleticism. He has a good arm. It just seems somewhere in that he's lost his confidence or he doesn't feel comfortable. And the coaching staff has got to look at themselves because it's their job to get these elite athletes to play up to their potential. And obviously they haven't done that with Blake. And Chad Henney is a backup. Like, he's 32 years old. If he was a starting starting quarterback capable of leading a team, he would have done it by now. He's not. So, you know, you if you if you have aspirations of being a good football team this year, then you have to figure it out and try to get Blake to be comfortable and confident. But if you're in tank mode like an NBA team, then, you know, maybe you're, you know, you're not – you know, that's gung-ho about Blake, and that's why you come out in the media and basically put him on blast because you don't expect him to be the guy that's going to lead your football team because they just kneecapped him basically in the huddle. Because if you're a receiver and you walk into that huddle and you just heard what the, what the head coach just said, hey, there's no fear. That, anything that Blake says to you carries no weight. He can't threaten a receiver. He can't threaten the offensive lineman. He can't, his, his words have no weight in that huddle anymore because of what they did. So, you know, maybe they're in a tank mode and they're still in uh, rebuilding, which, you know, they probably should be anyway. Let's talk about Miami, the Dolphins. I think the big question of the day was Jay Cutler. Uh, did you see anything from him going three of six, uh, moving around in the pocket the way he did that makes you feel good about the decision to grab him um, until it's actually time to make a long-term decision with Ryan Tannehill? Well, I think, I think Simon Jay was a great signing for them. I mean, to be able to get a quarterback of that quality this late in the game after your starter has torn his ACL, I mean, that's, that was a, a, a great job by their front office and their head coach of getting that done. Now, I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough, uh, you know, the six passes. I mean, he looked okay. Uh, but we know what Jay Cutler is. We know he has a big arm. We know he can make all the throws. Uh, is can he make the throws when it counts? Can he lead a football team? Can he get a group of men to rally around him and say, "We can go into we can go into into Foxborough and win a game." You know, we can go into the best teams uh, stadiums in the NFL and behind we can get behind Jay Cutler and he can lead us to a victory. Those are the things we haven't seen from him. 
So we know he has all the tools. He's going to look great in the pocket. He's going to look great making throws because that's who he is. But is he a leader and is he a winner? And those are the questions that he's got to answer. And ultimately, those are the questions that will define his career. Ellis, great information as always. We'll chat with you next week. Most importantly, drive safely, okay? Oh man, I'm I'm cruising I'm cruising here in traffic in Houston, man. My kids go to school on Tuesday, man. I'm gonna be running around the house naked on Tuesday, so nobody come to my house on Tuesday because I'll be butt naked celebrating. Uh, oh that wow! My kids are out of my house for the summer. Drop the mic and we'll holla at you next Friday. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. There's hits, and then there's all-time rock classics from the '60s and '70s. With classic rock hits on TuneIn, relive the very best sounds that defined an entire generation. If I ever get out of here, thought of giving it all away. Listen to the greatest rock songs in history with classic rock hits on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the quarterback competition that has emerged in Jacksonville after Blake Bortles' shaky performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brian and Cordell break down the biggest stories around the league as they kick off the opening drive on No Huddle. This is the NFL on TuneIn. Let's just say it was a shaky night for Blake Bortles, continuing a troublesome trend. Didn't look good in the preseason opener. We talked about his issues at practice yesterday. I don't think the stat line fully sums up how inaccurate he was because when he missed, he missed badly. 8 of 13, 65 yards. So after the game, Jaguar head coach Doug Marone acknowledged what's going on. We now have a quarterback competition in Jacksonville. I met with both quarterbacks afterwards. Uh, I told them what I'm looking for is I'm looking for someone that's going to lead this offense. So uh, I'm not happy with the performance today. I'm not going to sit here and and, uh, BS anyone. I mean, everyone saw it out there. Uh, Whatever you want to call it, I'm still trying to evaluate who the best person is at that position. I told that to uh, both quarterbacks to lead the offense. So suddenly, Chad Henney's in the mix. Marone went on to explain his general thoughts on this emerging quarterback situation. We're going to figure this thing out. Um, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of questions during the week, timetables, who, how so-and-so. I'm, I'm just going to wait, evaluate it, see who the best person is um, for that job, as well as some other jobs out there. Final thought from the head coach of the Jaguars, nothing is guaranteed under center. But I also said this. Uh, I haven't. I wasn't able to speak to the team after I spoke to both quarterbacks, but I just want to make sure everyone understands that if you can do this at the quarterback position, you know all all the other positions are very easy to do. So when I sit up here and I talk about earning the right to play, that's what we're doing. We're trying to earn the right to play. Now let's get you the mindset of Blake Bortles. Initially, the report was he did not address the media because he did not go directly to the podium, but reporters found him in a hallway, and he shared his thoughts based on what happened last night and the approach moving forward. 
I think the same thing. Um, I'll approach it the same way. I'll treat uh, tomorrow as I treated yesterday and as I treated today. You know, I, I don't think anything changes, you know, from my mindset um, or anything there. You know, I, I think it's still, you know, my job to go out and earn the respect and trust of those guys as well as the coaching staff. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what I'm on a mission to do. Bortles was asked what his response was to what his head coach Doug Marone had to say about now a quarterback competition. I mean, that's fine. I think it's, um, whether you say it or not, I think at any position uh, in the NFL, it's an open competition every single day. If there's a guy better than you that's not playing, he's going to play. Uh, and I think you have to go earn the, the right to, to start at your position um, okay. at any level. Finally, Bortles said despite these new developments, his perspective will not be altered. Nothing changes for me. Um, it's the same thing. The mindset doesn't change. Um, obviously, tonight wasn't a good showcase um, at all, and uh, you know I don't think anything will change. We'll come in tomorrow, watch it, and get to work on uh, Saturday. Cordell, a lot to unpack here. What do you make of this surprising quarterback competition now we have to address in Jacksonville? I don't think too many people are surprised. Um, anytime you have your, your head coach um, basically come out and, and say something to the extent um, – of this is open competition or he needs a leader of some sort, um, that it's just he's not happy with what he sees in front of him. I mean, anytime you have Blake Bortles, who's been around for some time and been given a chance to to do some things, um, you know, there's some conversation that needs to be had if, if, if everything has continues to be bad. I mean, when it comes to a, a, a competition inside your organization, it's always healthy. Um, you know, but I tell you what, it's it's unbelievable to say the least when it comes down to, you know, you haven't found your way to be the quarterback on this football team for whatever reason. Oh, here we come. Here well, comes the that's that's the hot that's take the police because you're about to say Chad Henney could be the starter of Jacksonville. Let me say Most that loud. Chad Henney. Yeah, Chad Henney wow. may end up being. Well, that's just how bad Blake Bortles is. I mean, what 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 is he doing to make you feel as if you know, he has a chance to do anything special with this team. I mean, you want to give him an opportunity. You want to give him a chance. You want to say that he may play better. Uh, it may get better of some sort. But when you're coming out and you're playing, you go 8 of 13, you're not really scoring any touchdowns, but you get even a kid like Brandon Allen who comes out and, and gives you 10 of 15, he gives you 144 yards and a touchdown. I know, that. I know that's mop-up work. I, I work. I get all that. What is Blake Bortles doing? I mean, what is he accomplishing? What is he trying to get done? Is he doing anything at all? It just looks bad. It just didn't look good. And if he doesn't start, it's because he's not good enough. Maybe what's been taking place over the last few years has taken his toll on him, and he just doesn't have any confidence at all in himself. Now, mind you, we've made many excuses saying, well, hey, you know what? At least he does throw the football well. The offensive line is not blocking. You know, we can go on with different ways of trying to express and explain some things. Uh, but at the end of the day, truthfully, um, it is what it is. If he's not good enough to be the starter, he's not going to be the starter for this football team, and that's why you're hearing the open conversation about who and who may end up being a quarterback on his team. No one person, but someone other than Blake Bortles may have that chance to be the starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let me remind the audience, because you know nobody pumps up the Jaguars more than yours truly. Blake Bortles had 35 touchdowns two years ago, Cordell. He wasn't a disaster. Now he's regressed that is the troubling trend here. And you talked about confidence. How does he get it back? How do you rebound when you look that loss last night in a preseason game? Um, I mean, time. I mean, if he has it, 
if 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 management allows him to have that, you know, time. And if he's not given that, which I think he's had it, if he's not taking advantage of it, he won't get a chance to do it. I mean, it's just it just is what it is. Sometimes some guys get burnt out, man, mentally, and that could be the case for for Blake Bortles. Is he may just be spent when it comes to trying to lead this football team. You know, sometimes a change of change of of environment or, or just scenery may help. And that may be what he needs, a change of environment. He may end up having a chance to be a backup somewhere and be under some some very good tutelage, you know, to the point where he can grow as a quarterback and not feel the pressure of having to do it now because, you know, being a top draft pick coming out of, uh, what is it, uh, University of Central Florida? And then all of a sudden now, you know, he sees himself – uh, looking at his shadow from behind, meaning walking away from him because it just seems as if it's an out-of-body experience because he probably can't believe this is where it is. But, hey, you know, change of scenery can help sometime. And the way he's playing right now, that scenery may not look like Jacksonville for long. Going to be fascinating to see what the Jaguars decide to do because, coincidentally, we were talking about the future financially of Blake Bortles yesterday as we were previewing the game. I know this gets a little bit tedious, so let me do it quickly. We talked about the fact that the team had picked up the option completing his rookie deal. So he's under contract, quote-unquote, for next year. But remember, that was just a technical move. The year was guaranteed against injury. They can cut him in March and walk away with no financial penalty. If he were to get hurt this year, that year becomes guaranteed next season, and they got to pay him $19 million, Cordell. So I don't think that's going to happen. Let's just get to the immediate outcome. Do you think there's a chance they just cut him outright and move on with Chad Enney? I mean, there's a big chance that they do. Why not? What do you have to lose? I mean, basically, let's go to this. Go this route. What do they have to gain by keeping Blake Bortles? It's been so bad, it's time to move on. I mean, this, this league doesn't have any this league doesn't have any time to be waiting on guys to, to try to figure it out. I mean, think about it. They're becoming one of the most popular teams in London, over in Europe. That's not what you want. You want it right there in Jacksonville. And, and sometimes change a quarterback, change a pace. I mean, you, you change some people in the front office. You change the coaching staff around. You know, now you know who's next, the quarterback. And I think that's the position that the message was sent to yesterday uh, after that game. And I think that's where the, the move is going to be made by time, by, about time this, this preseason ends. That's what's going to end up happening. And it probably end up being Blake Bortles not being there in Jacksonville. Okay. I'm going to throw out a name. You're going to tell me I'm dead wrong, but let's take it step by step. You're dead wrong. Well, go ahead. I'm always wrong. I was wrong. If we're just talking about football ability, who would you rather have at quarterback, Chad Henney or Colin Kaepernick at this stage of his career? Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Are you kidding me? This is not even a debate. All right, but I just to wanted to start again? with that. However, what's the likelihood of Kaepernick getting an opportunity there, understanding Tom Coughlin now runs the football operations and Doug Marone has a similar no-nonsense approach? Well, I mean, let's just be realistic. I mean, Tom Coughlin is a, a is true stickler of honoring the flag. We saw what happened with 9-11 and how his guys with with the Giants were, were, were running out um, of the locker room with the flag representing our country. Um, you know, he's a, he's when it comes to honoring, being an honorable man, when it comes to everything with this country and, and what he believes in. Uh, from afar, it seemed like he, he has a military background to an extent with, to his approach. Um, and, it, I mean, I'll say this. I don't know how much he's changed in the sense of, you know, maybe sticking to what it is that he's accustomed to sticking to, which is, you know, I'm not trying to get you to, you know, like me or me even like you. I just need you to be on time and do your job. Are you focused? 
And I think maybe to someone like Tom Coughlin, you know, with everything that's coming with Colin Kaepernick, if he were to try to come to that football team, it may be a distraction in his mind. Someone else's team, it may not be. And and I still say this, Baltimore is not off the table. I mean, have you watched Mueller? Have you watched that? Yeah, Ryan Mallett did not look good again last night. You you watching, I'm just saying, you watch that. Have you ever seen that? That's horrible. I've watched that. Ryan Mallett, come on. Colin Kaepernick is not off the table. And trust me, with everything that's going on in the National Football League right now with players, Chris Long, he's voicing his opinion and taking a seat for the National Anthem. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, too. All of a sudden, you ha- you know for sure about Marshawn Lynch and, and Michael Bennett. I mean, you're finding marquee players on these teams are taking the stands. And at some point in time, instead of being hush-hush about it and, you know, hearing things from John Lynch that's basically saying that, you know, it's going to be divisive. I mean, it, there's nothing divisive about what I see taking place. Nowhere near in the National Football League with these guys taking their stances. It's not divisive at all. If anything, it may bring the players closer together, to be honest with you, uh, with, with seeing how things are actually transpiring before our eyes with athletes taking a stand. So Colin Kaepernick will get a job. It just may not be Jacksonville. And again, as I said, Baltimore should not be off the table because of what you see with Ryan Mallett. That is not good enough. Blake Bortles, if he can be on someone's roster right now trying to start, who gives a hoot about what's going on with Colin Kaepernick. He should be on someone's roster because his talent says that he should be on it. And I think what he brings to the table is nothing but just awareness of things that's going on in this country. Well, you know, there's no bigger Jaguar fan internationally than yours truly. I've been telling you they're a quarterback away because they have talented wide receivers. Leonard Fournette, who sat out last night with a foot injury, solid defense led by Jalen Ramsey. But that quarterback is not Chad Henney. I understand the issues with Blake Bortles, but there's got to be a better solution in my view, than Chad Henney. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top headlines with Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports. Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports. Eric, as always, we appreciate your time. Certainly the rhetoric between the league and the Players Association connected to the allegations against Ezekiel Elliott heating up. We know the appeal coming up in a few weeks. From your perspective, does it feel like this thing is going to wind up in a courtroom? Uh, hey, guys, good to be on. Um, there's a chance. I, I mean, uh, this, is, uh, this is what the appeal process is for, and, and it looks like uh, both sides are hunkered down. And uh, I, uh, I hate to compare uh, something as serious as uh, domestic assault with uh, something as 
frivolous as Deflategate, but uh, the NFL's reputation is, is once again on the line. Uh, if they get this wrong after a year of uh, investigation, um, then, then it, it really looks bad. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, if they get it right, um, I, I, I think it's a really it's a, it's a victory behind uh, beyond legal uh, for them. So I, I think that they will uh, they will dig deep and, 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 and fight, and, and I expect the other side to do the same. So um, we we could be dealing with this uh, uh, for a long time. It seems as if the league is still going to give the suspension. Does it seems like on the side of Ezekiel Elliott and his team that they're going to try to minimize? Uh, the suspensions, because we saw what happened with Tom Brady in his case, and we see what happens with Ray Rice in his case. Do you think they're trying to set the precedence when it comes down to personal conduct issues in the National Football League by putting six games down? Because it's in the policies of six games. But you think they're going to just probably just say, you know what, we're going to keep it here regardless and just keep fighting it until it can, you know, it can't fight it again. And maybe Ezekiel Elliott may not even have an opportunity, or he just may end up getting suspended a lot of part of the season when it matters most if the team is really doing good. Yeah, I don't think the NFL is going to back down on this, Cordell, and I don't think they should uh, because uh, the the last few years have really been an embarrassment for the league with Ray Rice, the Josh Brown, um, the the other one that that I, I think about that, that really isn't as well known is Bruce Miller. Where again there was a there was a longer investigation. This is the 49ers tight end. Uh, he had an argument, uh, um, I believe, with his wife. It might have been with, with a girlfriend uh, in, in a parking garage, and there was a domestic uh, violence related charge. Um, and uh, and at the investigation, uh, he was cleared. There was no there was no punishment. And then he ended up uh, um, striking an, old, an elderly man uh, in a hotel. Um, and, and so that also you can you can add that to. Um, the, the list of, of embarrassing situations for players in the league. Uh, I think the NFL really wants to make a statement and, and really wants to have a warning. And also the other thing is that they, they, they have video of, of, of Elliot uh, uh, fondling a woman, reaching, uh, pulling down her shirt in front of a, a group of people, um, and, so, and, and it's one of their biggest stars. And so it's a statement the NFL, uh, I think, wants to make. Uh, and, and the other thing, which, which I'm sure you guys have spoken about, is that um, they want to be uh, known as the the, uh, the league that is going to listen to uh, the alleged victim, um, uh, the alleged accuser, and and that's something that they have not done in the past. Uh, they're very public about doing that now. I also think that's a good thing, um, but but I think all of these add up to the NFL wanting to uh, be more harsh uh, than they have been. And obviously, they should be, and it's not just a football conversation this is a societal plague but post ray rice josh brown we didn't talk enough about candidly because i don't want to be reductionist we don't talk much about kickers but that was mishandled by the giants in the league so i'm with you we don't have all the information but i'm going to trust the league based on an exhaustive investigation of over a year's length thousands of dollars hundred exhibits multiple interviews with people connected to the allegations that the league, I think, is being judicious here. But, Eric, for casual fans who don't understand, who want to talk about the notion of due process and Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have the right to confront his accuser, can you just explain what we learned from Tom Brady's case last year that effectively, based on the collective bargaining agreement, so long as it's reasonable, Roger Goodell and the league can do effectively whatever they want to when it comes to player discipline? Right. Good point. Glad you raised this, uh, Brian. And, and it's definitely pr- uh, present here is that 
because of the uh, agreement uh, that the uh, that the league negotiated with the players' union, uh, Roger Goodell has uh, almost unlimited power um, over discipline. Uh, and even though he says he's sort of separated from this, he was the one who hired Lisa Friel, who is who is now doing the investigations. Former uh, Manhattan DA uh, prosecuting office. So. Uh, this is, if you want to blame somebody, uh, if you're on Ezekiel Elliott's side and you're upset at this suspension, uh, you have to go back to collective bargaining. You have to go back to the union, and this is something that they basically conceded. And I think that this will be a different, uh, um, a, a huge part of the debate over the next contract. Uh, but honestly, I, I think that the, I still think this is in Goodell's favor for now because like you said, this is a scourge on, on society, on, on the world, really, domestic violence. Uh, and I think that the public is going to, after the enormous outcry over the Ray Rice situation, I think the public is going to side with the, the on the discipline side. I'll tell you a quick story, guys. Uh, one of the last times I was in the NFL front office in, in Manhattan um, was right after the Ray, Ray Rice uh, decision. Um, and you could tell that even though this is a nice office on one of the upper floors, you could tell that they had heard the social media outcry. They had heard the media. Uh, that, I think that was a seminal moment for the whole league, uh, n- not just uh, what was going on in terms of uh, looking at the videotape um, and, and people uh, in, 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 on the team and how they reacted and, and that uh, s- s- sort of fake sham of a press conference that they had at the Ravens. Inside the uh, NFL office, they knew that there was a huge backlash against what they did um, and, and I think that that's still very present in their minds. Uh, without actually, you know, being cold and going to the other side, but you talk about the game with Ezekiel Elliott. How does that affect this, this Dallas Cowboys team in, in any way when it comes to their production? Uh, I know he was arguably one of the best backs in the game last year, but yet you have players like the Ronnie Hillmans in the world and also the Alfred Morris's and also uh, the Darren McFadden's. Do you think this kind of slowed him down just a little bit when it comes down to not having Ezekiel Elliott in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a purely football sense, uh, we're going to learn a lot about the Cowboys. I mean, because there were there are basically three fairly new ingredients to their success. There's that offensive line, there's Dak Prescott, and there's Elliott. And uh, last year, it, it feels like it's all three, and then some games it feels like the offensive line, some games it feels like Elliott. Um, and 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 when you subtract one of those guys from the lineup, um, then there's more pressure on Prescott. Um, and and there's always pressure on the offensive line, but. But the, the thing about Elliott, that I, guys, that I think is, is overlooked is he's a terrific blocker. Um, and that's very hard to find, somebody who can uh, run effectively and block. And so it's not like the, the offensive line is weak and needs that help. But it is a help. Uh, it's, it's a help when there's a breakdown, when Prescott needs more time. Um, and Fat is not going to be able to block that way. I don't think anybody on the roster will be able to block as well. So we're going to learn twofold about whether they can re- replace him as an offensive force, but also replace him. Uh, as somebody who can protect Prescott. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, taking you around the league with Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports. Let's head to Indy. More bad injury news, losing their center Ryan Kelly with foot surgery. We know that Andrew Luck still does not have a definitive timetable to be taken off that physically unable to perform list coming back from the shoulder injury. Let's say Luck misses a game or two and is able to come back. Eric, as you think about Indy where they were a couple years ago, remember, Deflategate also featured the Colts in the AFC Championship game. How challenging a season could this be in Indianapolis? 
Well, uh, probably the worst prediction that I've ever made that didn't work, that didn't include the Bengals was <laughs> I thought that, I, I thought the Colts was, were going to win that game, that to play game. I was there. That was a hot um, take, my friend. That that was uh, that was an incinerator of a take uh, on, <laughs> on my on my behalf, and, and I, I'll never live it down. But um, I think that the problem that was exposed there um, uh, in that game was that they. Um, they, they just can't block for luck. I mean, it was really exposed earlier in that season, and and with Kelly out, it's still a problem. I watched the, the game most recently, their first preseason game against Detroit. They, they're thin; they're just a thin team um, with or without luck. I mean, Frank Gore is uh, one of the best running backs who's ever played the game, and I think he's going to run for a thousand yards probably until he's fifty years old. But it still uh, it still shows. Uh, that they, they don't have a lot of reserves on offense. And, and it's going to be a lot on luck when he comes back uh, to make things happen, and it's going to be hard for him to do. And, by the way, I think all three other teams in the division are better and, get, and, and younger and getting better. Um, and so I, I, I could be wrong, obviously. We started this with, with this answer with, with me being terribly wrong. But um, I, I just think that, especially without Kelly, if they can't block for luck, they're just not going to be a force in that division. Until that point in the division to get him getting better, there was some conversation very quietly about Marcus Mariota could potentially be in conversations of maybe the MVP if he can come out and have the type of season he had last year, particularly in the red zone. Uh, but most importantly, having you know Derek Henry and DeMarco Murray in the backfield, his defense getting better. Offensively, they were the best in the red zone. And you add Eric Decker, Corey Davis to the offense, and also a Dory Jackson on the, in the secondary and special teams. Do you see this team trending in the right direction? And, and is that true? And have you heard anything about Marcus Mariota maybe being in that conversation about the MVP? Yeah, that's a good segue uh, because uh, offensive line is not a problem in Tennessee. Uh, they have Jack Conklin. They have Taylor Lewan, um, who's been a little bit of volatile in terms of the you know, sports of iconics, but he's been good. Um, and if they have a foundation there to protect Mariota for years to come, they now have a running game. You know, Derrick Henry is in year two, um, and you mentioned Murray. Uh, and that gives, uh, that gives Mariota a chance to uh, have time to run or throw. Um, and, uh, and if all works out and if they stay healthy, then, yeah, he can take that leap. I mean, this is, this is year three for, for Mariota and for Jameis Winston. And uh, in both towns, there's this expectation that they are going to break out uh, in a way that, that the best year three quarterbacks do. Um, and I remember being at the very first game that each of them played against each other in Tampa, and uh, Winston, I think, threw four picks that day. looked terrible, but Mariota uh, looks uh, terrific in that very first game, and you could tell in that locker room afterwards that they believed already. I mean, even though it was the very first game with him under center, uh, they believed in him, and I doubt that's done anything but improve over the last couple of years. So um, if, 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 if they protect him, and I think they will, um, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes and he will make big plays in the red zone. And I think that would put him in the conversation for postseason award. Yes. Eric, last one for me. You've also covered college football for many years. I'm based in LA where there's so much buzz surrounding not only USC potentially making to the college football playoff, but the possibility Sam Darnold could be the number one overall pick in the draft. If he decides to make himself available, you got Josh Rosen, with strong opinions at UCLA, and then Josh Allen, the other name that fans should know about in terms of the marquee quarterbacks who's going to have presumably a big year coming up in Wyoming. 
The Jets appear to be going all in to try to maximize their draft possibilities. Is tanking too strong a word? What do you think the mindset organizationally is of the New York Jets? Uh, I, I think this is fraught with peril, honestly, uh, because uh, if you're already crowning, uh, you know, Sam Donald, Darnold, or Josh Rosen, I, I don't have anything against these guys, um, but. Uh, the idea that this guy's going to come in and save you a year from now, um, so much can change in a year. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I think a year ago, Brad Kaya was, one of, was supposed to be one of the better players, uh, and he barely, barely got drafted. He's now uh, uh, third string in Detroit. I mean, you, you just don't know. You don't know about college players. You don't know what's going to change. Uh, and, and it's supposed to be a quarterback-rich uh, class and maybe it will, but maybe it won't. Uh, and, and so, if you're sort of holding off for next year, um, I, I, I just think you're taking an enormous risk with that um, because not only not only does something so much change during the course of a college football season, but also you have these enormous changes in the in the in the pre-draft process and the combine. I mean, a year ago, Mitch Trubisky did anybody know who who he was? Uh, and, and he was the second round, uh, second pick in the draft. I, I, I just think that the, the, the Jets sort of biding their time, if that's what they're doing, is not smart. I, I personally, I mean, I, I don't want to get your, uh, uh, your, your, your phone lines lit up, but I, I just think that they should bring in Kaepernick now. Wow. But that would never happen, right, given that's the optics? That's a hot take. Yeah, yeah, and another hot take. No, I don't think it'll happen, but I think it's foolish. I mean, I just, he, he's, a, he's a very good quarterback, and you don't have a very good quarterback on the roster, and the idea that you're going to tank, I mean, look, well, look at it this way, okay? The, the Patriots are, are the Patriots, okay? But the, 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 the Dolphins, you don't know how good Jay Culler is going to be coming out of, of retirement. And, you don't, and the, the Bills look like a total reset. I mean, if the Jets have a decent quarterback, why can't they contend for second place in that division? I know people are laughing and saying that they're going to be 0-16. But that's a, leaving aside the Patriots, and everyone's going to be 0-2 against the Patriots. They're, 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 that's a wretched division. You can compete. Uh, why wouldn't you want to get in a quarterback who has won before? I know the answer to that. That's a hypothetical that I can answer for you and everyone else. But, uh, I mean, don't you want to try to win? Uh, I don't think, I'd rather have Kaepernick this year than hope that Sam Darnold is the answer next year. Even if he is the answer, you can still draft him or somebody good. I think there's going to be somebody good later in that draft, even if they win a few games. But I'd say, I'd say get Kaepernick in there and go for it and try to win. Undeniably, Kaepernick, in my view, is better than Josh McCown, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg. Feels like the Jets, though, view maybe this year from the standpoint that it comes down to this losing, going 1-15, could be winning when we get to the draft. Eric, on fire today. Lava-filled hot takes. We appreciate the information. Thanks for giving us a few minutes on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. Thank you for joining us with this breaking news report. Really appreciate it. Day or night, get live news coverage from around the world on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. What will fan reaction be nationally if we see more protests from NFL players during the playing of the national anthem? Let's discuss as we take you out of bounds. 
On the gridiron, there are clear lines to follow, but from time to time, there's a story that takes us out of bounds. Crazy, deranged situation. It's no huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Partner, a lot of layers to unpack, a lot of moving parts of this story. So let me give you a quote the other day from John Lynch, GM of the San Francisco 49ers. We did not have a chance to talk about He respects the right for players to express political views during the playing of the national anthem, but he used, I think, a word that is telling. He viewed it as divisive. Here's the quote. I think this game brings people together. So I think personally, when I see that talking about anthem protest, I think it's divisive. I understand guys see things and they're not happy. They have that right, and I think we'll always respect people's rights. If this becomes a dominant theme throughout the National Football League, stars like Marshawn Lynch sitting for the anthem all season long, what do you anticipate the reaction from some fans to be? Well, it's it's going to be one that's um, – you have some that's going to like it and others that won't. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what John Lynch mentioned, but the reality is it's it's reality for some may not be for others. And, and that's what makes this country, uh, I think, as, as, as wonderful as it is, in my opinion, when it comes down to those rights, which is being able to agree to disagree. And if you can't get to a point where you can't find that common ground, you know, then, then, then what does sense does it make to work together with anyone? You might as well just work on your own. Um, I know sometimes people don't want to deal with things because you know what? They never, some may have never, never had to deal with some of the issues that are going on in this country because they're, they're away from it all. You know, they're in gated communities. You know, some are really wealthy. Some are rich. Some at some point in time never have to drive or, or just be a part of that life. But if you see players who are taking that stance, um, I, I see it as, as one that's, that's commendable because, you know, to suppress something that's real, I think for this country, it's not as if it's happening just to one group of people. It's happening to this country. You think Charlottesville uh, was a place, you know, that honestly was just not a part of what took place in this entire country? It affected it all, you know, when you think about that in Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia. And, and that's, not, that's not something that you just tuck away and, 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 and put it under a rug and just say, well, we can't approach this. I think this is the time now. You get into your locker room as a John Lynch. You get into your locker room as an owner in, in Jed York. You get into a locker room as a Kyle Shanahan head coach of this football team, and you have a, a open, you know, let's just say room discussion about what's going on. Not saying what you should and shouldn't do when it comes to the National Anthem, but give these players an opportunity to express themselves on what's going on and why this movement is being created throughout the league where it started off with Colin Kaepernick last year to now you have Michael Bennett, uh, Marshawn Lynching, you may have a few more, maybe a lot more players that are willing to take a stance. Of course, we saw Des Bryant basically saying, well, he does understand what's going on, but at the same time, he has to feed his family. I think a lot of players in the National Football League feel that way. And then there are others who feel the same way these other guys are feeling. And so while it would be great to say, man, every guy is just supposed to stand and, 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 and take a knee against the National Anthem. Well, that impact impact may not have the same 
uh, uh, effect on some guys like you do others, in all fairness, because you have to have a level of transparency, especially when you're in a locker room with guys who come from different backgrounds and, and have different ways of thinking and being. While I think every player is aware of what's going on, I, 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 I'm guaranteeing you that's the case. But at the same time, you know, I mean, the athletes, I think, aren't excluded from the divisive mentality that's going on in these streets. They're not. I mean, when you don't address issues for what they are and you're, you know, you're trying to blame it on everyone else and, and a lot of other people to try to justify why maybe a certain group of people are acting the way they are. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's not good. Especially when it's come from the head guy from this in this country. When you're saying boats, I mean, you have to address the issue and what's going on to allow there to be a level of resolution to move to the next spot. If 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 you're bringing up the mindset and the conversation of that, you know, it's going to bring a level of divisiveness in a locker room. Well, I mean, some guys are probably not talking about things that they they really feel and and and, and think about what's going on right now in this country overall, black, white, or indifferent. But if you don't bring that to the locker room, if you don't bring that to the cafeteria where guys are, or maybe even a big meeting room, the auditorium or whatever you have there at your facilities, and give guys an opportunity to express themselves about this, I think we'll, we'll, we'll maintain being ignorant about the facts. And at the same time, you'll have guys who are in some minds of some people who would think it's divisive, maybe having that level of outburst in their minds. But I see it as something that just needs to be that needs to be addressed, man. And, and I think it's okay, you know. It's sometimes that elephant in the room is sometimes good to to address, you know, so that you can not walk around with holding your breath all day, you know. Because think about it, you don't think John Lynch, you don't think Kyle Shanahan, you don't think Jed York is sitting there holding their breath, hoping <laughs> that this doesn't happen on their team or the Giants when it comes down to the Mara family. You don't think they're they're sitting there every time it comes to the national anthem when they're sitting in their boots and they're looking at the sideline that they hope they don't have a guy sitting on the bench? That's how they're thinking. Sure. Well, that's also a, a corporate mindset because they have a business to run. But what would the consequence, what's the implication be if this becomes broader? Because I don't believe for one second, and there was some Gallup polling when asked why were ratings down last year? I think Colin Kaepernick had nothing to do with it. We talked about no. it. It was the Cubs having that phenomenal run in October, That's right. taking some of the football audience away briefly, and it was the most polarizing race for the White House we've seen in a century. Right. So I don't think fans are going to stay away. I don't think fans are going to turn off their televisions. In fact, most anthems are not televised. I, I'll give you my broadcast experience. We taped the on-camera open in college football and college basketball, so we're not on the air when the anthem's playing because you can't talk and you don't want to be disrespectful. Let's talk about the racial component. We're not reluctant to have that kind of conversation on this program. What would you make of the comments from Michael Bennett? And I'll read you the quote directly in a conversation he had with ESPN. Bennett speaking here of the Seahawks. It would take a white player to really get things changed because when somebody from the other side understands and they step up and speak up about it, it would change the whole conversation. Well, I mean, he brings a great point. I mean, because now it's almost like, this. just put it to you this way. From a cultural standpoint, if you've never had you know, anything happened on your side for the most part. And when I say side, you know, it's, 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 it's dividing everything, which I don't think it should be done that way. But he brings up a good point. You know, a lot of 
let's just say, as he talked about it, white people may have not endured some of the things that maybe a, a Michael Bennett or just what we see on social media when it comes to uh, racial inequality or racial injustice or even uh, police brutality. I mean, when you go on social media, you know, you see African-American men just getting beat down on a consistent basis. Opportunities aren't the same for as you know, not having the double standard, so to speak, in the minds of many. And, and, and it's out there. It's real. Don't get it twisted. It is real. But if you do get the opportunity to get someone who's not actually having those issues somewhat in their communities to step old crossover and say, you know what? I'm going to take that stance with you, bro. I got you. You know, I think that's when Howie Long's son, um, I think he is from Charlottesville, and he's had the opportunity to express himself and say how bad this is and what's going on in the city that he was raised in and and showed his dislike and distaste and in, 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 in how things transpired over the last few days. And I think when you have that happen, I think that is awareness across the board because sometimes some people who don't have those issues in their communities are afraid to jump to that side because how do you, you know, how, you, how do you defend that? You know, and, and then all of a sudden you have the Charlottesville incident take place uh, and then all of a sudden now, you, you know, you're looking like you're crossing over to the other side when it's not about crossing over to another side. It's about what is, what is wrong is wrong and what's right is right. Bigotry does not exist and shouldn't exist. I won't say doesn't, but it shouldn't exist in this country when you're talking about landing free home of the brave and, and everyone should have the opportunity. I mean, you know, if, if it's if it's a, a, a family that's a Latino family, if it's an Asian family, African-American family, Caucasian family, you know, everyone should have that same African family. Everyone should still have the same opportunities as long as you're one that is in this country. If you're paying your taxes, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you're legal in this country from the standpoint of what you're supposed to do based on the laws that we have to live by in this country, you should be given those same opportunities across the board. And I think Michael Bennett's sentiments when it comes down to if there's a white guy step over to the side, it may change the visual to an extent. You never know. You know, you know how it works. If if you're in together in one pot, and it, it makes everything look the same. And I think it can actually, you know, maybe help uh, just a little bit. But it starts with the higher ups with making this thing right. And, and to sit here and say it's going to be divisive in the locker room, I don't think so. I mean, Colin Kaepernick got the Lynn Eshmont Award, which is the highest award you can get there in the 49ers organization for a player. And so it goes to show you that locker room wasn't divisive. And so because you're unaware and because you're, 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 you're distant from that reality, the natural thing to think and when seeing what's going on on television is to say, man, gosh, that can bring a level of divisiveness in our locker room. No, I don't think so. If anything, it should bring guys closer together because those locker rooms are one that when it comes to adversity and having to endure and doing it together as a group, you end up become closer and closer together in that locker room, similar to what happened in 9-11, similar to happen in any moments and times when our country has gone through its toughest places. You know, you're stronger together. And I think locker rooms bring that that level of togetherness together better, better than these streets when it comes to everybody having their own ideology, when it comes to how they think and feel about certain issues. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.